Welcome to the Christian Life Podcast. At Christian Life, we're all about making disciples of all generations. If you'd like to connect with us and find out more about what's going on here, you can find us on Facebook at CLC Gridley, and of course on the web at clcgridley.org. We hope that God speaks to you through the message you're about to hear. Let's dive in together. Good morning, church. I haven't got to say hi to you yet this morning. We've got some of our volunteers are out with the beginning of the year and all the the fun, exciting stuff that's going on there. Um, Who stayed up until 12 o'clock on New Year's Eve? Who did it? Glenn did. Okay, we see a couple hands. There you go. Now, who was like my wife and was in bed by like 8, 830? Don't let let her fool you. That lady was asleep. She was... She was doing her girly snores by about 8.45. Whatever in the world a girly snore is, apparently guys, we crank them, but, but girls, you know, anyways. Uh, this month, I, as we were praying about how to start this year, there's something, there's a book that I want us to, to look at. So over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about this. Our, our series is based on the book, but I'd encourage you, if you've not already read it, you can get it on Amazon. It's a book called The Circle Maker. Okay, in this book, uh, a lot of it, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, in, the, in the series. But here's the thing. We need to be people of prayer. What God has to do in our community, what God wants to do in our life, it's not going to happen if we're not praying. There's, this, is, this is not talked about often, and it's, it sounds so harsh, but a Christian that does not pray, that's like an oxymoron. Those two things don't go together. You can't be a Christian and say that you love Jesus and not pray. It just, those, they, they don't go they don't go. And sometimes, well, we'll get into some, some fun little things about prayer, but I'd encourage you, pick it up. I, I, like I said, I think you can get it on Amazon for 12 bucks. Some things in here that I think we can really apply to our life and grow. I don't know about you, I want 2020 to be one of the best years yet. I know it's corny. We say it every year, the beginning of the 2020, you know, and it just, there's so much funny, so many funny things that we say. But I really believe that God wants to unlock some incredible things in our lives this year. And it's not going to happen if we're not praying. It's not going to happen if we're not growing this discipline in our hearts. It's necessary. It's necessary. Anyways, I want to begin by sharing an account. Uh, it, it's, it's an ancient Jewish legend, okay, whether it's truth or legend. I don't really care. It's found in the book. But this story is said to have taken place sometime between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, in the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we know that there was a time where we did not hear from God. It was quiet. This story is said to have taken place in that quiet time. It's roughly 400 years between the prophets, the last prophet passing away, and the New Testament. And in that amount of time, the people of Israel, God's people, experienced an incredible drought. They experienced this this crazy drought. And in this time, I mean, you think about it, just imagine what your life would be like if you did not hear from God. And then imagine, take it a step further, not just in your lifetime you didn't hear from God, 
but your parents' lifetime, they didn't hear from God. And their parents' lifetime, I mean, 400 years is a long time to not have any word from God. And that's where these people are said to have found themselves. And they're in this drought. And there's one man that still believes. And this man's name is Honey. And this ancient legend tells of Honey walking in the middle of his city. And he takes his staff. And he, sets his, he extends his staff out in front of him in the dirt. And he begins to make a circle. He drags his staff around and he makes a circle around him and then he comes to a stop. And he gets down on his knees and he begins to cry out to God. And his prayer wasn't just an ordinary prayer. See, some of when we think of drought, we think of what California has been in the last couple of years, okay? That's there's a whole lot crazier versions of drought than that. We're talking dry earth, nothing grows drought. When, when water is plentiful, water is an afterthought. But when there's no water, it becomes a very important thing, doesn't it? And Honey finds himself standing in the middle of this circle that he drew. And his prayer is said to have gone something like this. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. It's not just the words that he prayed, but it's the faith. It's the lack of doubt. When you and I pray, if we're being honest, there are some prayers that we, you know, it's easy to pray prayers like, Jesus, bless our food, right? Because in most cases, thanks to refrigerators, if you know how to cook at all, you're not going to get sick if he blesses it, and you're not going to get sick if he doesn't. But there are some prayers that we pray that, man, it takes some faith. When you're in the middle of a drought and you're praying for water, that takes some faith. You're doing it in, the, in front of your whole town. Everybody's watching you, and they know what you're praying for. It takes faith. And Honey's standing in the middle of his circle asking God to have mercy. And then it happened. As his prayers ascended to, to the heavens, raindrops are said to begin to fall. And in their joy, everybody's eyes look up to heaven, but the one person whose head doesn't move is Honey. Honey's not done praying. Still kneeling within his circle, Honey lifted his voice again, and he says, not for such rain have I prayed. God, I didn't pray for, for sprinkles. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. Okay, we're going to a whole other level of faith here. God, I didn't, I didn't thank you for, for making it sprinkle, but I want some real rain. And it said then it started raining so hard that people will start looking around, looking for high ground. And he continues praying. He takes this incredible prayer of faith, this bold prayer, and he goes a step further. And he says, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of thy favor, blessing, and graciousness. It said that then the rain began to even out, and peacefully it began to fall. Each raindrop a reminder of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Again, I don't care whether this story is real or not. There's some principles that we can take from that and apply to our life. I want to have that kind of faith. 
that in the middle of the most impossible situation ever, I mean, this is life or death. There's no food because nothing's growing. There's no water, so how are you going to drink? In the middle of the most incredible, impossible situation ever, to be able to stand, not in my bedroom where it's private and nobody knows that I'm praying, nobody knows what I'm praying, but in the middle of your town, drawing a circle and saying, hey, I'm not leaving until you move. I want to have that kind of faith. What does matter, though, whether the story is real or not doesn't matter. What does matter? The whole reason I share this is, is we need to learn, we need to understand the power of prayer. If we understood the power of prayer, I don't think we would have to remind each other that we need to be praying. If we understood what prayer really was, I don't think that we'd have to talk about it. And, and hey, we need to, you know, we, we wouldn't have to schedule prayer services for us to get together to pray together as a church if we understood what prayer really meant. Your prayers are powerful. They're necessary. We need that. All throughout Scripture, we're directed to pray. I mean, if I were to go through and read every passage where we're instructed to pray and we're taught how to pray, we'd be here until next Sunday, and nobody wants that. Okay, There's a lot of them. It's important. It's obvious it's important because it's talked about so much. Prayer is God's desire for us. But it's more than that. It's His, His plan for our life includes prayer. It's a resource, but it's, it's so much more. It's a way. It's the way to communicate with Him. God desires for you to pray. And not just to pray, but to pray. I know it's basic, but when you have an issue, who do you call when there's something going wrong in your life, when something breaks, who do you call? I know who I call. I call my dad because my dad knows how to fix almost anything, almost. If it's a car, I'm not calling my dad. But, but my dad knows how to fix almost anything. When plumbing breaks, I call my dad. When, when something weird is going on, I call my dad. God wants us to have that same reaction, but not to call our earthly father, but to call him. When something's going on, to call him. That's, that's what prayer is supposed to be in our life. I believe God's looking for circle makers. I believe God is looking for us, for people, to step up and say, God, I'm pursuing you. God, I'm believing for this, and I'm not going until you answer. Answer me, yes, answer me, no, but I'm not moving until you answer. I believe God is looking for people willing to stand in the gap for others and their needs. I believe with everything inside of me that God has been waiting for you and I to stop looking at prayer as a have to, something we have to do to check off our list, to stop looking at prayer as something that, you know, like, well, I've tried everything else, right? Prayer isn't a last resort. It's not something that we do to try and get what we want. How many of us are guilty of that, right? Well, God, I really, really want. He wants prayer to be our first resort. The minute something happens before, and this is the tempting part, at least for me, maybe you're way more spiritual than I am, but when something goes wrong in my life, my first response is, how can I fix it? 
God wants my first reaction to be, instead of how can I fix it, to be, Jesus, help me. God, give me wisdom. I don't know why this happened, God, but give me answers. Help me to be able to. He wants our first response to be going to him, not trying to do it in and of ourselves. And if that doesn't work, if all else fails, then I guess we'll give God a try. We need to start thinking about the opportunity that we have. The incredible opportunity we have to communicate with the God of the universe. The one that made everything with his voice. I mean, that's, that's incredible. We can make some amazing things with our hands. He did it even better. He spoke it and it happened. And that's who we pray to. The best news of it all is bold prayers honor God. Bold prayers, God-sized prayers, right? If God doesn't do this, man, we're in trouble. Those kind of prayers honor God. And I think that God honors those kind of prayers. You know, okay, again, we'll be real for a second. When we go to Costco, one of the things we have a Costco membership for is to buy dog food because we have a diva of a dog that has to eat this special food with no corn, and the cheapest place to get this stuff is Costco. So when we go to Costco, and we go to buy this dog food, it's a 45-pound of dog food. The thing is massive. I can fit both of my kids in the bag. And, I mean, it's a big, 45 pounds to us doesn't seem that heavy, but to a kid, that's so huge, right? And they see this bag, and there's no way I'll ever be able to lift that up, Dad. And it gets really offensive when they're like, I don't even think you can lift it up. They told me that one time. I don't think you can lift that up. I'm like, dude. It's like you took my man card and like shredded it right there. It was awful. So I had to prove them wrong by picking up two bags at the same time. But this is, this is what happens. This is what we do. When there's issues in our life, when things happen in our life, situations happen in our life, and our first response isn't to go to God, we're doing the same thing that my kids did to me when they were terrible, and they said, Dad, I don't even, even think, I don't think you can even pick this up. It's the same thing. When we do that, when we don't go to God first, whether we mean to or not, we're saying one of two things, either one, God, I, this issue I think is too big. I don't even think you can handle this. I'll try and do it on my own, but I don't think you can. Which, when we say it like that, it sounds like the dumbest thing that's ever come out of my mouth. And there's a lot of dumb things that have come out of my mouth. But when we, when we refuse to, to give things over to God, when we refuse to take them to God, that's kind of what we're saying. God, this, this is too big. I, I don't... I don't even know that you can handle this. And if we're not saying that, the other thing that we could be saying is, God, I mean so little. I'm so unimportant that it's not even worth bothering you with this. I don't know about you. When I read my Bible and I read verses that God is telling us to bring everything to him, to pray about everything, I'm pretty sure that the same God that says those statements that bring everything to him would find that just as offensive as my kids saying, Dad, you can't pick up that bag of dog food. God, this is, this is too hard for you. I don't think you can do it. I'll, I'll have to take care of this myself. Or God, I'm nobody special. Why would I even want to bother you? I think he'd be equally offended. 
at either one of those two statements. Why? Because he wants us to have that kind of relationship with him, where we can bring everything to him. I believe God is looking for circle makers. He's looking for people who will do what he said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, what does he say that he'll do? If you humble yourself and pray, then I will do a miracle. I'll heal their land. That's a God-sized prayer there. That's a God-sized promise because here's the deal. We all know that our world needs a whole lot of healing, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble, right? That means not thinking too highly or too little of yourself, will humble themselves and pray. Then I'll heal their land. That's what God wants. God is a promise keeper. He's a prayer answering God. He's a a miracle worker. He's a dream fulfiller. He wants us to bring those things to him. He wants us to pray. People that will, God wants people that are going to pray. And they're not going to be surprised when God answers. Can Can we be real again? How many of us We pray for somebody, and we have doubt whether or not God will actually do what we're praying for. God's looking for circle makers, people devoted to prayer, that when they pray, they actually have faith that God is going to do what they're praying for. It's basic, but at the same time, it feels like a kick to the stomach, right? Because so often we pray for things, we pray for people, and the minute our, those words leave our mouth, we're on to the next thing. Do we really believe that God is going to come through for that person like we asked him to? I don't know, only we can answer that for ourselves. But I believe God is, he's looking for people that will pray. Mark Batterson in his book, The Circle Maker, that I told you guys about, He makes this statement. He says, who you become is determined by how you pray. Who you become is determined by how you pray. You can't live a life of faith while praying faithless prayers. You can't live a life of faith if you're not believing what it is that you're saying. What you believe God for in your life will shape everything else. It'll shape what you believe. It'll shape your faith or lack thereof. It'll shape everything. Who you become is is determined by how you pray. Are you willing to become a circle maker? Are you willing to commit yourself to living a life of prayer, to figuratively and I guess sometimes literally drawing a circle around something and saying, God, until you answer, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to keep believing, and I'm going to keep lifting this up because I believe you are who you say you are. I want to tell you a story from Scripture about another group of circle makers. Uh, if you've got your Bible, open up to Joshua chapter seven, and we'll—or I'm sorry, chapter six—and we'll read this together. But these circle makers—they had lived their entire lives with the knowledge of a promise for the promised land. We're obviously talking about the children 
of the people that God brought out of Egypt. God promised them the promised land, and they wandered around and round and round in the wilderness for 40 years. God has spoken promise over these people's life, but their parents had given up that opportunity. And now the promise has fallen to them, to their generation. God had directed Joshua, their leader, that it was time to inherit the promise, so they begin to prepare for their journey. The first of the obstacles that they face is one similar to what their parents faced when they were coming out of Egypt. They come up to the Jordan River, obstacle number one. They're looking at this river in front of them, and they've got to get across, and God parts the river just like he did for their parents, and they walk across. The second obstacle is a little bit more scary, though. I mean, the first one was pretty cool. Let's be honest, it's, I, I would love, I've spent a lot of time on the water. I've never seen water part like that. That would be pretty awesome. But the second obstacle is a little bit more intense. They've been promised the promised land. But that land was already being lived on. There were other people that were there already. Let's read Joshua Chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 for real quick. It says, Now the gates of Jericho, the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you, I have given you Jericho, its king and all the strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. God has promised them this land, but right now there's a massive fortress right in the way. A massive fortress. I mean, the walls are said to have been six foot thick. There's a lot of different reports on how tall it was. I've heard everything from 13 feet high walls to 50 feet high walls. I mean, I don't care. Even 13 foot high and six foot wide, that is some big walls for people that did not have some of our technology. A massive fortress is in the way of them inheriting their promise. Instead of traditional siege tactics, you know, making ladders and shooting burning arrows, and I don't know what, I mean, you've seen the movies just like I have. Whatever it is they had, instead of trying to storm the city, God directs them to what? Walk. Draw a circle. Walk around the city. Walk around the city. God directs them to circle their obstacle, to, to circle their obstacle for seven days with nothing but worship. Let's continue reading verses uh, 8 to 10. It says this. It says, after Joshua spoke to the people, so he filled the people in on what God had told him. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the, pre in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's uh, covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Verse 10, do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So as I was reading this, I mean, they're, they're circling their obstacle. They're circling this fortress. 
this massive obstacle that's in their way, and they're told not to even talk, not to engage. That, to me, stuck out. When we're circling things in our life, right, we have a situation that comes up. We bring it to God. How many of us were tempted to engage? We're tempted to try and figure things out ourselves. And, oh, well, let's just talk to the people. You know, I mean, don't even talk. Just walk. It just, that's, that, that, I don't know, maybe that's just cool to me. But six days of walking around, walking around six times they've walked around the wall. You know, I mean, I'm sure the people are a little confused. You walk around the city one time, you're like, okay, getting a feel for, for their weaknesses so we can figure this out. After walking around it six times, I don't know about you, I may be thinking, hey, um, the wall looks the same today as yesterday. It hasn't changed yet. Nothing's happening. Like, is this a new exercise routine? Like, get abs quick, walk around Jericho. No, they're probably a little confused. Oftentimes, I feel like that's the same when we pray. Very rarely, at least in my life, does it seem like God answers the prayer right away. More times than not, man, you have to pray. And you have to keep praying. And you have to keep praying. God, I still need your help. God, this person is still sick. God, this. God, that. God, do you even hear me? Sometimes it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. But here's the deal. They walked around the city six times. Nothing visibly had changed. You and I, we know what happens next. They didn't. The answer to their prayer was about to happen, and they didn't even know it. You know, then it happens Verse uh, Joshua 6, we'll read verses 15 to 16, and then we'll jump to verse 20. 15 to 16 says this, it says, On the seventh day the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people to shout, For the Lord has given you the town. And then verse 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. That is cool. But that's just like prayer. It's just like prayer. We pray and we pray and we pray for something to happen. And we never realize how close we are to the answer. It's not like when you're downloading something, you know, on your computer and you, you know, you have an estimate, you know, two minutes and 33 seconds left. Like, it doesn't work that way with prayer. We don't know when the end is. We don't know when our answer is going to come. But if we stop praying, we can guarantee it's never going to happen. We've got to keep going. God is, he's looking for circle makers, people that are willing to circle the obstacle until he shows up. So my question for you this morning, the question for us is, what is your Jericho? What's your Jericho? What obstacle do you need to begin to circle? What situation do you need to begin to circle? What is it that's going on in your life 
that is so important. Those impossible odd situations. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe everything's going well, but you have a family, a family member that's sick. Or I don't know what it is. What obstacle is going on in your life that you need to circle? Being a circle maker means you got to know what you're praying for. You can't circle anything. I mean, you, you have to have something specific to circle. You're not just going to draw a random circle and like, okay, God. You have to have, you have to know what you're praying for. What is it that you need to pray for? What miracle are you marching around? What promise are you praying and believing for? What is it? I don't need to know, but you do. What is it? You need to be able to define what it is that you're circling. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. It's Scripture. I believe most of us, we've been around long enough to know that this isn't a blank check to get whatever we want, though. Right? I mean, just like you, we joke about it before. It seems like whenever I talk about prayer, I'm like, hey, go ahead and pray for a million dollars. I've done it. It hadn't happened yet. But I will tell you this, when I needed 80000 plus to pay for a medical bill and I prayed for it, guess what happened? God showed up. I don't know how it works. But that's part of being a believer. That's part of being a Christian is knowing that when we're walking with God, the way that we pray changes. You know, we, we kind of stop praying some of those selfish prayers that you know, when, you, when you're walking with God, your prayers, they naturally kind of tend to revolve around the kingdom. God, help this person come to know you. They're in a situation, where, man, where they just need to, they need to know you. Man, I had a situation yesterday. Hanging out with some, with some people, and one of the guys got a phone call. No clue what it was about. But I know whatever it was, it was a big deal. Because, man, he shot out of there real quick. You know what I did? Prayed. God help. You know what the situation is, I don't. Make yourself real to him. Show up. When we walk with God, we stop, hopefully, we're stop, we stop thinking about ourselves and we start pursuing the kingdom. Anyway, got off on a tangent, I'm sorry. So what's your Jericho? What in your life do you need God to show up in? Where are you needing breakthrough in? This month, like we've done over the last couple of years since we've been here, um, we're focusing on prayer. The best thing that we could do at the beginning of the year is to focus on prayer. Why? Because I believe that prayer, like we said, prayer determines who we become. I believe that prayer builds the foundation. 2020 to be built on prayer. That's why we do a fast you know, we'll, we'll have more information for you later on, but, but at the end of January, we're going to do a fast together, and we'll do, everybody loves the soup celebration where we all bring soup and we break our fast together. That's fantastic. And I'll give you my, like, top 10 secrets for soup celebration later on, but, but what I want to encourage you to do is a couple things. One, begin to ask yourself, what is it that I need to circle in this season of my life? And what's going on right now? What is it? that I need to commit to praying for and drawing that 
you know, jokingly, drawing that circle around me and saying, hey, I'm not moving until you answer. God, I need you to show up in my life. What is it for you? And the second thing I want to encourage you with is, yeah, when we go into our prayer and fasting season, man, I want to hear, I want to hear praise reports of what God has done. I believe that God's going to show up in those areas, and I want us to be able to celebrate them together. But don't wait until the fast to start praying for those things. Let's pray for them now. Let's pray for them now. I want to encourage us, let's be people that because of what God is doing in our life, because of our consistency with God, with communicating with him, with drawing circles, I know it's kind of goofy, whatever. I didn't write the book, okay? Give Mark Batterson a bad time. But bringing focus to areas in our life that need God's attention. I believe it's going to set the stage for an incredible year. I believe that God will begin to draw people to us that need prayer. Why? Because we've proven that we're faithful and we'll pray. I don't know about you. There are some things that open up spiritual conversations like none other. And one of those is miracles. I believe that we can pray see miracles happen because we serve an incredible God that loves us and that wants the best for us. So I'm going to pray for you this year. Can you commit with me? Let's be people that bring focus to our prayers, that every day we pray and we pray and we continue to stand strong until God shows up. Can we do that together this year? I, I mean, this needs to be a, dis- a discipline that we build in our lives. This isn't a, a fad, okay? This isn't, well, I mean, uh, let's, let's be honest. There are some messages we hear, and by the time we walk out the door, they're gone, okay? Don't let this be one of those things. Hold on to this concept. Build this discipline into your life. Let's pray. God, we come to you. God, and we're grateful. God, I thank you that the God of the universe, God, the the all-powerful one, God, that by your voice everything was made, God, I thank you that, that you want to hear our voice. God, that you have opened the door for us to come to you and bring things to you. God, situations in, in our life. God, I thank you, God, that you can be trusted with everything that's going on in our life. God, and I also thank you that even though we are small, God, that our lives may be relatively insignificant in our view, you don't think that way. Your love for us sets us apart. God, I thank you that we can bring these things to you. God, I pray as a church, God, that we would be people that commit to pursuing you in prayer this year. God, we want to see miracles. God, we want to see people healed. God, we want to see incredible things, God, that only you can do happen, not because there's anything special about us, God, because there's something special about you. God, would you show up in our lives? God, if we have doubt, God, I pray that you would come through in a way that would take away, God, would erase all doubt. God, help us to be believers God, that understand who it is that we're praying to, that understand the importance of what we're doing. God, we praise you. God, I thank you for an incredible year. God, help us to be people of faith. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message. We trust that it's left you feeling loved, encouraged, and challenged to grow. If we can help you grow in your walk with Jesus, please connect with us on Facebook or on our website. We would ask that you subscribe and rate this podcast so that we can continue to stay up to date with you on what's happening here at Christian Life and so that others can hear. We'll see you next week on the Christian Life Podcast.